Welcome to Awaken to Grace. Today we are in part two of a sermon entitled Sealed and Saved Servants of God. We are studying Revelation chapter 7. We're going to answer the question today. Can people be saved during the seven-year tribulation period? Well, if you missed part one, make sure you go back and listen. Today is the conclusion of this series as we walk our way through the book of Revelation in a series called Things to Come. If you're enjoying this series or if you have questions about Bible prophecy, I would sure love to hear from you. You can always message me directly at Pastor Chad Roberts at gmail.com. Send me an email this week. Let me know where you're listening from. We're always amazed, and I am always blessed. I'm thrilled when I hear from listeners all over the country, from Canada and other parts of the world. It just thrills me to hear of God's people that are growing through these sermons. So, Shoot me a message, ask me your prophecy questions, or let me know what you think of our series through the book of Revelation, and I hope you continue to walk with us chapter by chapter and verse by verse through one of the most amazing letters ever given to us, the book of Revelation. Let's get to God's Word today, Revelation chapter 7, on this edition of Awakened to Grace. And I'm going to tie all this together in in just a few moments in chapter 14. Remember, God's going to seal his people, but so is Satan, with what chapter 13 calls the mark of the beast. Two different seals. We're going to see the Greek meaning of it, and we'll understand the contrast between the two. But here's what I want you to understand for this portion of Scripture right here. The Bible says that if, if, someone does, if someone does receive the mark of the beast on their right hand or their forehead, which means allegiance to the beast, allegiance to that Antichrist, that pseudo-Christ, he will forever shut the door on his salvation. He'll never be able to be saved. The Bible clearly states that. But for the ones that refuse to follow the beast, the ones that follow the Lord, the ones who are genuinely saved, oh, what a price that they will pay. And not only will they pay with their lives, and I'll show you that in chapter 13, verse 10, but here's what I want you to see. The Bible says in chapter 13, they will not buy, they will not sell, And they will not trade unless they have the mark. What you have to understand about these tribulation saints is that they are not able to go to the grocery store and buy food. They're not able to take a debit card. They're not able to order off of Amazon. (laughs) You don't have the mark. You're going to be public enemy number one. You're not going to be able to... You're not going to be able to buy clothing. You're not going to be able to buy a house or rent a place to live. You're not going to be able to own a vehicle. You're not going to be able to buy gas. And you know, I'm always amazed because there's some foolish people who say, you know what? So what if Christ comes? I'll get saved here in the tribulation. Oh, friend, what you will face, what you will face. And here's what I want you to see in this portion of scripture. They have witnessed the judgments 
They have went through what we just studied last week. And remember, they cannot buy, they cannot sell, they cannot trade because they don't have the mark of the beast. And listen to what scripture says about when they get to heaven. This is beautiful. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. Next, please. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Mm. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from mm. their eyes. Isn't that going to be something when we, the church, welcome our brothers and sisters who walked through the tribulation and we'll watch God wipe away every tear out of their eye. Friends, we'll worship the lamb like never before. Amen. Amen. So going back to Sadie's question last week, will people be saved during the tribulation? Let me answer why some believe they won't. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we've referenced that several times in our series so far. Remember we said, don't waste your time trying to figure out who the Antichrist is because 2 Thessalonians 2 says, until the restrainer is removed, that man of lawlessness will not be revealed. We'll not know this side of heaven who the Antichrist is. And I'll get into the Antichrist. I'll explain to you everything I know about it. It's not everything to know, but it's everything I know. And I'll tell you every stitch of everything I know about what the Bible speaks of this man of perdition, this lawlessness one. But here is what I want you to see. In chapter 2, it says later on down in the chapter that God is going to send a strong wave of deception on the earth that people will follow the beast. So good brothers and sisters in the Lord, they read that and, and, and many interpret that to say if someone has rejected the gospel prior to Christ's coming, they cannot receive the Lord after the coming of Christ. Friends, I don't see that in that text. In my view, that's reading too far into that text. Now, will it be likely that some will follow me for a moment on this because many of you have lost loved ones. My concern is there'll be such a disillusionment, there'll be such a wave of deceit upon the earth that people will follow the Antichrist. Listen, if somebody won't follow Jesus now in this age of grace, under the freedom that we have now. What is the likelihood that they will after the coming of Christ? Now, that will be for some, but I don't think for all. Clearly, by Revelation chapter 7, there's going to be so many people saved that John says it's a number that cannot be numbered. Let me tell you, after the rapture takes place, this church, along with every other church in this city, will be Packed to overflowing. You don't think your sons and daughters, you don't think your grandchildren that are without the Lord and they know you worship the Lord here at this church, you don't think this won't be the first place they come to? 
because they'll know mom and dad were right. Grandma and grandpa were right. There was something to this thing called the gospel. And let me tell you, the Lord, I believe the Lord is going to lead us. And I think the timing is spot on by the Holy Spirit. I think the reason why we are studying the book of Revelation right now I love it when the Holy Spirit just connects dots because I'm not smart enough to connect dots like this. Our revival, which we call Revive, is in September. That's going to be at the tail end of this study of Revelation. And let me tell you what I believe our study in the book is going to do. It is going to bring a white, hot burden to our soul for our lost loved ones. And we're getting ready to mount a 10-foot cross over here by the baptistry. And on August the 8th, we are going to launch a campaign called 40 Days of Praying for Prodigals. And we're going to have you nail your prodigals to this cross. And let me tell you, church, for 40 days, we are going to intercede on their behalf. Amen? Amen? Why? Because we don't want our loved ones swept away. In this wave of deceit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a special teaching. And I'm asking the Lord when this should be. But you know there's a thread in each section of end times. When you go to Matthew 24. And when you go to Thessalonians. And you go to 1 John. And you're in Revelation. All these scriptures that deal with the end time. There is one common thread throughout all of it. And do you know what it is? Don't be deceived. And let me share with you, precious friends, you and I are living in an age of deception. And I want to do a special series just on the deceptions of this day. And listen, many of our children, many of our grandchildren, many of our spouses, many of our neighbors, so many of the people that we love the most, they are swept away in these currents of deception. And it's our responsibility to call on the name of the Lord on their behalf. And we're going to set aside a special time of laser focus, concentrated, concentrated prayer, and consecrated fasting before the Lord for the prodigals in our life. And I believe all of this is right on time, right on target as we study this great book. Why? Because we don't want our children and we don't want our grandchildren, we don't want our loved ones to ever face this time that the Bible is predicting right now. Because if you're someone who foolishly is saying, huh, I'll follow Christ when I'm ready to follow Christ. Let me tell you, you'll face one of two things in the tribulation. You'll face one of two things. You'll either face the wave of deceit and you'll lose your soul forever. Or you're going to face persecution like you could have never dreamed. Caleb, take me to Revelation 13.10. And let me show you why you do not want to go through the seven-year tribulation period. And I would encourage all believers right now. To pray with me right now as we read this scripture. To pray for people that are not born again. People that are playing church. People that are having affairs. People that if Christ came today, you would be found in great sin. 
and your robes are not washed white in the blood of the Lamb. Let me tell you why you don't want to face this day. Let me tell you why you don't want to go through this tribulation. Oh, you, you may get serious afterward. You may escape that great wave of deceit, and you may follow Christ. But let me tell you what you'll face. Read it for me, Caleb. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword must he be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Will God love people during the tribulation? Yes. As a matter of fact, he'll love them so much that he'll send 144,000 evangelists to them. Will God love them? Yes, so much. As we'll study in chapters 10 and 11, he'll send the two great witnesses to them. God will do everything he can to proclaim the eternal gospel even amidst such great judgment. But if you're born again, you and I will not be here. We'll be watching from the balconies of heaven. Amen. Now let's go to chapter 14. And let me begin to wind this down today. We're going to peek into chapter 14 to see what happens to the 144,000. We're going to get a little ahead of ourselves here. But remember, these are parentheses. The rapid fire succession of the tribulation is the seven seal judgments. Followed by a parenthesis, the curtain closes, and we meet the 144,000 sealed Jews and the suffering servants of God. Then the curtain goes back up, and then chapters 8 and 9, we're going to study the seven trumpet judgments. And I'm going to show you how that's judgment on climate change. And then the curtain is going to close again, and then we're going to have a long parenthesis. We're going to see the two great witnesses in 10 and 11. And then the curtain is going to close and then the scene is going to shift again to heaven. And in chapter 12, we're going to see the real purpose of Israel in the end days. That's going to be fascinating. And then in chapter 13, we're going to see the Antichrist and the mark of the beast. And then here in chapter 14, we see the conclusion of the ministry of the 144,000. Now, this is very important that you understand. This is a panoramic view. We believe, scholars believe, that this is after the tribulation is concluded. Now, we still yet to study the bowls because what did we say? The curtain closes, a parenthesis happen. This is a chance to catch our breath. Then when the curtain goes up, then we'll see the last of the seven bowl judgments. Now, we're going to see the outcome of the 144,000, and I'm going to give you just a few points to write down to help you understand the, the vital role that the 144,000 play. Caleb, if you'll take me from verse 1 on. Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. 
No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. <laughs> it is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. Mm. These have been redeemed from mankind as first fruits for God and the Lamb. And in their mouth no lie was found, for they are blameless. Amen. They're going to sing a song that no one could learn. And who, who's watching? Did you see who's watching? The 24 elders. Us. Can you imagine what it's going to be when we watch them sing that song? We're going to marvel at the grace of God. We're going to glorify God for his wisdom, for his protection. So who are these 144,000? Here's just a few quick things for you to note. Number one, these men, these are 144,000 men of each of the tribes of Israel. And note this, number one, they are purchased. The Bible says they have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. The word redeemed there is ransom. That means to go to the marketplace to buy back. It literally means to purchase the same blood of Jesus that purchased you and I. It's the same blood that's going to purchase the 144,000 sealed. Isn't that remarkable? And God knows who every single one of them are. Number one, they are purchased. Number two, I want you to note, they are protected. They are protected. How? By the seal upon their forehead. Now, this is very interesting. There are two Greek words for seal that I want you to note. Number one, the seal that God does is called skargizo. What a fun word that is. Skargizo. You and I, five times in the New Testament, you should particularly look at Ephesians 1.13. That one's my favorite. Matter of fact, Caleb, if you will, turn to Ephesians 1.13 and read it for me. Five times in the New Testament, the Bible teaches that you and I, the New Testament church, we are sealed, scargizo, with the Holy Spirit. I hope I have that text right, Caleb. If it says something crazy, I don't have it right. You said 113, correct? Yeah. If it's like a genealogy or something, it's not right. <laughs> So-and-so begets so-and-so. No, that's not even in Ephesians. I'm kidding. In him you also, when you heard the word of yes. truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised <laughs> Holy Spirit. Amen. You were scargizoed. Go, go to lunch and tell the waitress, I'm scargizoed. No, don't do that. They'll think you're crazy. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise God. The property of God is within us, the Holy Spirit. Well, God is going to put a seal on the forehead of these 144,000, scargizo. Now, why is that important to differentiate the two seals. Because hear me, everything that God does that is authentic, Satan counterfeits. Everything. That's what the mark of the beast is. When you come to Revelation 13 and Revelation 7 and 14, the seal is scargizo, which is five other times in the Bible. But when you come to Revelation 13, speaking of the mark of the beast, it's not scargizo, it is Karagma. I think that's right. Karagma. 
You'll have to fact check me on the pronunciation. I, kept, I told Sadie, I said, how am I going to word associate that? And she said, Keurig. <laughs> Karagma. I, I think it's Karagma. Fact check me. But here's the point. Here's the point. They are vastly different. The Greek word karagma means a tattoo or an etching. And why will people receive it in their right hand or their forehead? We'll get into all of this in chapter 13. But listen, no one will receive the mark of the beast by accident. It is an allegiance to follow the Antichrist. But my point is, everything that God does authentically, Satan always counterfeits down to the ceiling of his people. Isn't that fascinating? They are, number one, purchased. They're ransomed. They're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Number two, they're protected by the seal of God. Number three, they are pure. The Bible says they're virgins. Now, some try to interpret this and say, oh, they didn't follow the corrupt political. They didn't. It's not corrupt religion. No, it says they did not defile themselves with women. Why? What's the point? The point is they're not going to be un. They're not going to be encumbered with normal life. They have a laser focus. They have a mission to complete on the earth. And they're going to be celibate. They're going to be marked by God. And they're going to be laser focused on their task. They are purchased. They are protected. They are pure. Number four, they're preserved. They endure through the entire tribulation. God supernaturally preserves them. Millions will be killed. Millions will be slaughtered. But they, listen, who's standing on Mount Zion? Who made it all? The, not 139,999. Not 143,999. 144,000 made it. They're supernaturally preserved. And lastly, number five, they're preachers. Preachers of the gospel. Can people be saved in the tribulation? God in his grace. <laughs> David Jeremiah said it so well. What will the 144,000 be like? Imagine 144,000 Apostle Pauls on the earth. Imagine 144,000 Billy Grahams preaching at one time. Oh, the harvest. And where are we? We're around the throne of God cheering it on. And as those precious people enter heaven, we'll watch God wipe away every tear out of their eyes. And you and I will marvel. And we'll recognize the same blood that ransomed us has ransomed them. No wonder Ephesians 1 says that forever and ever, for all of eternity, God will display His glory in us. No wonder that 1 Peter says that angels long to look at our salvation. They're so intrigued. Are you that amazed at God's salvation? 
So what's your destiny? Should that trumpet blast today, will you be harpazoed? Will you be called up? Or will you face the wrath of the Lamb? Do you use a streaming device at home or at work? Simply say, hey Google, play Awaken to Grace with Chad Roberts podcast and listen to our weekly podcast that is the current sermon that I preach each week at Preaching Christ Church.